So I am very happy to have one of the founding fathers of one of the, at least in my opinion, most important labels of the 80s, 90s, and also later on in American rock history here with me, Tom Hazelmeyer from Amphetamine Reptile. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure and our honor. Uh, first off, I always like to ask if at all, is there any kind of band merch that you got on or anything else that you want to promote right now? Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not then big on I promotions. Then I jump in and promote the friend, my my friend Eugene's band, Binuel from San Francisco slash Italy. Something that you probably know and that you probably enjoy. Uh, a lot of noise. I, I, guess, I'm, I guess I'm promoting uh, Carhartt. So. Well, as if they needed the it. Check will be in the, mail. <laughs> yeah, the, the check will be in the mail later for them. Yeah, of course. Like the six-digit figures, right? After the car. Exactly. <laughs> I guess they just got uh, rid of Kane and it's wide open now. So You, you got to do what you got to do, right? Exactly. Second of all, Tom, where are we catching you right now? It looks like some kind of library slash music room, but where? It's, it's my office, yeah. The, uh, and where is the office? For all it was, used to be one of the one of the kids' bedrooms, and now after they took off years ago, I moved out of the house because all my kids are older now. It became the office slash library slash music room. And and thing. correct me if I'm wrong, but you live in Minneapolis, right? Correct. So I got to ask that. How good is your German? Nine. Nine. I got to ask that because I'm very sure it's not a pure incident that two of your band names are homophones in German. Totlachen. Okay. It's more Yiddish than German, but... Yeah, but it's like, if you just put a space in between it, then it's like, that's also saying right. in German, right? And the second one is Gear... I don't know how you pronounce it. Do you want to say Gear Jammer or is it Giyama? Oh no, gear jammers just straight up a uh, 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 English um, Mortarhead reference. Not not the band Mortarhead, but like mortar, you know, car enthusiast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamming yeah. gears like when you're shifting. Gear I jammer. know, but as I saw Totlachen, I oh, thought that was also gotcha. homophone because it means whining and drum, <clears throat> right? It means um, what? Whining, like oh, I'm you're 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 yammer, you know. Oh, it's like ah, I don't I don't want to hear you whining all the time. Well, the um, first one was back in the early early '80s, and that was like yeah. there was like a lot of Midwestern hardcore bands were uh, you know Mech Mench and Dikroitzen and uh, yeah, right. Uh, there was a lot of that going on. And that that band that you listed, Todlachen, was a, a, a hardcore band. From that era, 81, 82. So, yeah, we're, we're a bunch of teenage kids, and it was like, well, it's cool at that moment. You know, it's like, it was more serious <laughs> if it's in German. Hey, of course, because we Germans, you know, our butterfly is Schmetterling, uh, as everybody always mentions. Exactly. Um, I usually do not ask questions like the following, but as it's still a very, very fresh thing at the moment when we are recording this, um, and I know that you're a pretty open and straightforward guy. How hard did the news of Mimi's death hit you last week? I'm sorry, I missed it. Of, how, of how, mu how, much, how much did the news of uh, Mimi from Lowe hit you last week? 
Um, I didn't know. I wasn't, I didn't really run with that. Those guys, you know, I don't really, I've only met mm-hmm. Alan mm-hmm. once. Um, mm-hmm. So it was just kind of one of those like really unfortunate. It was, it was, it was a, it was a bummer. I got to say it was for somebody I didn't know. It probably uh, hit me more just because I had so many close friends that were really good friends with her that were upset. Yeah. And it's, a, you know, it's harsh just to think of a mother of two children, you, you know, die checking out that early is never a good thing. So it is um, right. Yeah. But I mean, for me personally, it's like, I wasn't, you know, we weren't mm-hmm. even acquaintances. So it, it's almost, it, it, you know, I don't it's mean a to friend of a friend of a friend, sounds. right? No, yeah. No, I, I got you. And then, but of course, I mean, it, did, other... it did hit. It did hit harder than normal with somebody who don't know Diane, just because there were so many of my close friends that were, you yeah. know, really good friends with her. So that you know, you feel bad for them because it, yeah. it definitely tore some people up. So, I, I also know a few people who it really did. Um, but then we also, of course, got to talk about the reason for this interview being a new Melvin's record, which is already out for a few months by now. And I must say, the first thing that I thought was Creedence Clearwater Revival. Yeah, because nobody bothered to read what it said. <laughs> yes, it is. All over and, and I even... online. I, I think I even started putting it on like a copy was just like, you know, bad and then all capitals. Mood. It's a play on Bad Moon. It's playing with yeah. the, the Creedence Clearwater. But literally yeah. people read it as Creedence, you know, bad, bad Moon Rising. It's like, no, that's not I... a moon. I gotta admit, it happened to me too, uh, and and uh, but still, um, I love the record. If you're gonna reference somebody, CCR is not a bad place to start. Definitely not. So. Um, but this is correct me if I'm wrong. But this is the first non-live full length that the Melvins have put out on MRAP in 24, 25 years, something like that. Is that correct? Um, as far as like, yeah, exclusive to us, yes. I mean, we've been doing so much the past 10 years. Um, like variations of album, new albums they had that are on Ipecac or, or EPs, um, of songs that were coming out on an Ipecac release, maybe with some, yeah. you know, other things. So, I mean, to my thinking, it's not that big of a departure. I mean, we've just been mm-hmm. steadily working yeah. on shit for, yeah. God, so actually, it's... it's more than 10 years now, so. So it's not like a former love come back, but it's a steady relationship, basically. Because you mentioned they yeah, put out a lot of live albums. Time. They put out we, a lot of live been, albums. They've been cheating on Ipecac behind, you know, behind Ipecac's back with me the whole time. So, oh, so, so you're. Because, I think I think lover. it's an open relationship scenario. <laughs> yeah, it must be because you also were in bed with Ipecac with your project Ace Double XL. Yes. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, uh, uh, I understand like it's, it's always been a very rigid thing for people like, you know, I have a deal with this label yeah. and, uh, Ipecac doesn't really function that way. I don't function that way. It's if Buzz comes to me and wants to do something, we do it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. he doesn't, you know, Ipecac doesn't work it's, uh, on a like hardcore major label style contract, like. Get in there, guys. Get in the studio. You you know you got ten minutes to get us a new album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're you know they're they're uh, so it's it's kind of uh, in a really gross, uh, um, disgusting way to put it. Yeah, it's an open relationship. Would you say that both well, labels? Hopefully, like hopefully, like hopefully, like, like most open relationships, this is actually working for a long time. 
well this one definitely is right uh would you would you say that in a way both labels from a business point of view and let's see the inverted commas here from a business point of view they work pretty similar don't you because i think i guess that you're not the guy to write down contracts for seven albums or something like that yeah i mean i in the past uh it's like to my thinking there's like two eras of amrap there was the first phase which was from inception in the 80s through like 2000 where we were a serious label trying to function as an indie label with you know pr person and a guy who ran the warehouse and there was like you know a handful of us working full-time doing this and dealing with distributors and college radio and blah 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 and uh then there's this this phase of amrep which is i've got it stripped down to me doing everything from the art to stuffing the records and then i've got my guy rob who comes in uh two days a week to fill the mail order you know when we put a record out and it's literally down to just the uh creative part that i wanted to do mm -hmm. so on that level i'm not functioning like ipecac at all ipecac is still doing the legitimate you know indie label playing you know the whole field the way it's you know supposed to be done and i'm not really set up for that and i generally don't have any interest in doing that again <laughs> um the reason i quit doing it in 2000 was the writing was on the wall biggest day that the whole thing was changing that that yeah. structure was going to be getting tougher and tougher and i think ipecac has always done a really good job because they've got some you know quality stuff and they're stable to be able to to roll with the punches of how hard physical distribution is now Whereas I've set my stuff up to deal with, uh, you know, bucket, we made this. You want it or not? You don't want it? Fuck off. You know, mm. here it is and we're done. Now we move on to the next thing. So it's a different mean. structure too, where I don't keep back catalog around. That's one of the reasons uh, it's really small, small, limited runs mm. is I don't have the space. I don't have the wherewithal to do it. Distribute, you know, distributors, all that shit. It's, um, you know, it's a one, it's a, a, a two bedroom apartment above a bar. So we couldn't keep a whole, you know, physical catalog in stock. It's like, I want the shit out of here. And that was a part I loved about making records all along is like the, the you know, conception, the inception of it, the birthing of it. It's, and now it's done. And anyone will tell you, it's like, after that, it's no fun. You know, there's, it's no fun going back into the warehouse and are having to repress a two-year-old record that you're over, the band's over, everyone's moved on, we're on to the next thing. yeah. So to my mind, I just, I just kind of set it up more for me and the bands than trying to play the game by the, the rules that are set up, you know. And a lot of people have a hard time with that. Ten years later, I still get people bitching about the way. Yeah, always, out. right. Of course. Uh, so basically, you, because you say you're not playing to the rules. Yes, you are playing to the rules. Your rules. And I think that's also showing and and uh, the way that you are working the stuff that you're releasing uh of, of course the roster is definitely not as big as it used to be but on the other hand one must say that uh with a lot of the mrep stuff that has been released over the last couple of years one sees that this is a real love affair it's not a job anymore right it's just no, it's not the day job either so it's like my you know 
I'm not tied yeah. to it, sink or swim. I've moved on on that, you know, the day, the day job had switched years ago. Mm. And so now it is literally, you know, the part-time thing of doing what we want to do. And me and Buzz have always been in sync with each other where we trust each other. I never ask him what he's going to do, you know, musically. Like, I think it's time for you to get serious and I, I want to rock opera. No, you should give us, a, you know, that type of shit. And he doesn't yeah. look over my shoulder when I'm doing the art. Like, no, 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 no. You know, no, no kittens or, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> no, well, I want kittens, so I'll do kittens. Um, <laughs> but also let's clear that up because I know a lot of people that I've talked to lately were like, oh, MREP. They were really big in the 90s. And I'm like, dude, I think you got something wrong there. Because doing a little bit of research and to clear this up, even back in the days when AMREP was, of course, a huge thing. I think I heard somewhere that you still at that point were only like four or five people doing it, right? Yes. Um, there was, we always, I, that was a constant. Um... There, the perception always was that we were bigger than we were because we did shit right. As far as if a band was touring, we supported that band really well. And if you go talk to any of the bands from back then, when we did the tour support, it's like, you know, they'd show up in a town and that the record stores in that town fucking had the record. The radio station in that town had the fucking record. There was posters up because we'd call in favors with people to get make sure posters were done. We did a really good job. And that would... It, so the perception was we were this massive functioning thing. The graphics <laughs> yeah, yeah. were really good. You know, yeah. we did, we, it, but it was just a bunch of efficient, you know, people up in the Midwest cranking it out and, and working really hard to do it because we mm -hmm. all love what we were doing. So yeah, people, you know, to get the same product and same quality on a major label would cost 10, 50 times what we would be able to do yeah. shit for, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a, a case in point was like we do goofy shit like make matchbooks. Like I just mm -hmm. saw somebody posted a picture. I'd forgot about them for years, but for the cows, and it was to promote a new album like Horn, and it you know had a, a funny line on it. But we knew all the clubs because we were already sending them you know yeah. uh, posters for the tours and stuff like that. So we're sending out a box of matchbooks to these clubs. Well, you're sitting in, in Des Moines or, or Tallahassee, Florida, and you see, like, the cows have matches? You know, you're thinking, like, it's this huge PR machine. Yeah, thousands right. of people throwing money around. Hey, bar, we'll pay you to, to take these matches. No, you just send them <laughs> the matchbooks, and they're like, fuck, free matches? Cool. Throw them out. Give them to the people, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and it was a lot of creativity, too, on, on figuring out how to do shit for nothing. And everyone always assumes that, you know, it costs money, and that sometimes it doesn't. You know, how, how do you do it? Sometimes it only costs a few hours of sleep, right? And that van already exactly. gets you very, very far. And um, back then, too, it's like shit like shipping. What didn't cost? Uh, uh, you have to take out a second mortgage in your house to uh, uh, ship out 100 posters like now. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's also interesting, you know, like uh, I, I still heard people saying like, oh, MREP, that is a huge thing. I think... That is something that you also, in a way, benefit from, right? So the label has a certain institution character. So people still take the name of MREP really serious. So if yeah, you're on goes, the label, it, it's, it's it goes still a huge two thing. ways, which is 
um, we were always trying to fight that because people would take that one step further and extrapolate that there was an AMREP sound. Yeah. Which I, I used to drive me fucking insane. At a certain point, I just quit giving a shit about it. But it drove me insane because it was just like, how the fuck does this band, you know, Boss Hog sound like the cows or the cows do not sound like, you know, and go down the list. And it was like, to yeah. my mind, like, you know, how are you, I mean, that, that was a laziness of a lot of critics back then, for sure. Um, the, the downside to being perceived bigger than you actually are is then um, I ran into a couple times where bands wouldn't work with us because we were too commercial. Like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm asking you to be on a compilation called Dope Guns and Fucking in the Streets, but you're too precious to be on there because it's too commercial? Jesus Christ, dude. So we'd, we'd run into some of that kind of, you know, it was always a, you know, give and take. There was, there's advantages to it, but there's also, you know, the downside or a band, you know, literally, uh, you know, I want a $50 million advance. <laughs> <laughs> Have you listened to your band? Do you know what's going to happen with your band? You know, we're going to sell 3000 records. That's what's going to happen with your band because let's let, and when I used to say this to bands when they were new and they'd kind of have misconceptions about they're going to be the next Nirvana. I'm like, can you imagine us playing your record in a shopping mall? And they'd go, well, no. I go, there you go. There you go. <laughs> We're not a commercial operation. It's not going to happen. But what did you do Those if guys, a band told you, told you, yeah, we could see us do that? Um, I'd probably have to sit them down and have them play the record. <laughs> like, really? You know, let's play this next to Stone Temple Pilots. Do you think this uh, these two things are compatible? Because yeah. I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, like there, there, of course, were some amazingly successful artists on AMRAP. Of course, I mean, like you had some really successful bands, Jesus Lizard, Today Is the Day, Helmet. I mean, like Helmet. Come on, they toured with Helmet, Helmet and Slayer. Really great. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, Jesus Lizard were touch and go. I'd love to have them because they were one of my favorite bands back then by far. Um, yeah, and. Uh, Scratch acid before that with with Yao, love that stuff. Uh, Helmet definitely from from day one. I mean, we did the first single and and those guys skyrocketed at the time. It was it was kind of crazy. I mean, I, I remember talking with Paige saying, "I hate to see you go because we love you guys, but man, it's starting to become a pain in the ass." Like we were becoming the Helmet label for a while there, like literally yeah. just trying to keep up with all the requests and. Uh, you know, sh having to shove everything out of the way to keep that stuff in print, you know, unlimited mm -hmm. budgets and stuff like that. So, did, was, did that I, also I in a wrong. way affect your roster building? That like a lot of clones, like helmet clones, tried to come onto the label at the time? Um, I was told that later on there was an intern going through demos and just he was rattling off like all these uh, bands that became huge that had sent us demos and they were just kind of like, meh, like I already did helmet. I don't want this. <laughs> it's like, we already did that. Um, like one was, he's, he's holding up a demo. He goes, this is a fucking limp biscuit demo. I'm like, I didn't like it. What do you want? It's like, I, it I, would I have made like us millions. <laughs> I could have been sitting by a pool in Hollywood. No, no, I'm stuck in fucking Minneapolis still freezing my balls off. Oh, come on. You, you went back there. So it's your choice. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> the older um, I get, the more I question that choice. It's like, God, well, I mean, like, good. I mean, like, you went from Minneapolis to Seattle back to Minneapolis, right? So, I mean, like, there must be some kind of connection to the city. 
Yeah, it was called a, actually, it was called a kidney stone when I was 22. <laughs> you, I'm sure you've heard stories of how great the American medical system is. Yeah, I it's the best up, in I the world, a, next to Brazil. I saved up a couple thousand dollars, which was a, a fucking fortune to my 20-some-year-old yeah. ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the whole plan was me and the wife were going to move to Seattle because I left Seattle. The whole plan originally was go to Minneapolis, round up our shit, wrap things up, and we're going back to Seattle because we loved Seattle. Um, this is in 88, 89, somewhere around there. Um, and been back a year, kidney stone, have to go in the hospital. They go up the, you know, up the penis. You know, it was, a, it was overnight surgery. So I was in the hospital for one day. Get the bill, $2,000. It's like, motherfucker. Wiped me out. I've been here ever since. So yeah. I always, always joke. It was like a, a kidney stone that kept me here because the plan was to get the fuck out of Dodge. But at the same I mean, it worked time, out great that I didn't because I going to Seattle, that was before Sub Pop exploded. And uh, mm -hmm. I can't imagine. That would have sucked to have been in Seattle at the same time Sub Pop was going through that insanity that they went through, which was great for them, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but to have to live in the shadow of that versus we're sitting half the country away, being able to kind of create our own thing. Yeah. So on that level, I was just like, you know, at the time, even going, man, dodged a bullet there because that would have sucked. I knew a couple of people that were trying to do labels out there at the time, and it was nigh impossible. You know, you think it'd be easier because Sub Pop broke through. So you're sitting in Seattle working with a lot of the same bands, but it's not. It's just like kind of like, you know, oh, you're just a Sub Pop, you know, copycat kind of thing or something. So versus the copycat thing. And isn't it also, secondly, the thing that all the majors were basically signing everyone that wasn't like jumping into the Pacific at the count of three, right? So yeah. then you also got to find bands that want to work with you. I mean, like, honestly, we both know if Atlantic comes into Seattle and offers a band a deal and you are in Seattle and offer them a deal, then we both know who we're going to go for in... Yeah, generally. In, in 95 of 100 cases, right? Yeah. And... But that also brings me to a question that I basically wanted to ask a little later. I mean, like, I know that you witnessed at first, like firsthand from your own experience, you witnessed two scenes explode, like Minneapolis before with replacements, with Husker Du, with Babes in Toilet. Yeah. Soul Asylum. Babes in Toilet was a little bit later. Babes in Toilet was kind of. Uh, coming that up was more 90s. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. you know what I mean, right? And then yeah. you witnessed the the beginning of the grunge era, which interestingly, grunge was only grunge when it was from Seattle, which is like a shit idea, right? But anyway, so you witnessed both of those things. Do you see any major similarities between those two explosions, apart from the fact that as many people like to forget, flannel was not an invention in Seattle, but back in. No, I, I always that one always cracked me up because it was always the, there was the main the mainstream media always focused on the flannel so much. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the hair, and it's like all you have to do is look at any pick any promo shot of Husker Du or Replacements or Soul Asylum from 1985, and they all could have passed for a grunge band. You know, yeah. the torn jeans, the multi layers yeah. with the flannel. You know, yeah. and, and everyone was wearing flannel for the same reason. Freeze your ass off, you know. Exactly. It's not nearly as cold as here, but 
it wasn't it wasn't a fashion choice you know yeah yeah i mean you would still see that one guy you know the goth with the hair you know and uh uh being a fashionable guy but he's freezing his ass off yeah um he's willing to die for fashion so you got to give him some props for that but uh you got it. Uh, no, the, the, also being out there like witnessed like how like solo sound were coming to to seattle and watching like uh a lot of the people who later became the Seattle people freaking out, you know, the replacements are coming or solo sounds coming. I remember I was at a party and we're getting wasted and, and everyone's having a great time being, you know, getting drunk and, and everyone's like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta put on the TV. The replacements are on Saturday night live. And I'm like, all right, I've seen them a hundred times. I mean, okay. But it was just weird to me that they were that devoted. And there was, I never really seen anyone document that connection you know, sound sonically and, and, uh, I mean, just the, you know, the way the, the dress thing, that's one thing, but, uh, uh sonically too, there's a lot of, you know, you listen to uh, a song like Whoa by Soul Asylum and that could have been on Sub Pop five years later. No yeah. problem. Four years later. No, no problem. No Would have fit right into that whole mode because everyone was kind of playing with the same ideas that in Minneapolis, the post hardcore ideas were similar to the ones in Seattle. Um, but at the same time, I'm not comparing the two. The thing that I really, I mean, enjoyed um, being at Ground Zero for both things was that energy. I've also got to luck out and, and deal with that a couple more times after that. One was, uh, um, you know, just the AMREP thing in general. Like, you know, what we were doing in, in post Seattle kind of taken off, we kind of had a thing, you know, it wasn't as big as sub, you know, the, the Seattle thing by any sense, but in New York with like helmet was air surgery, um, uh, unsane, uh, you know, other bands that were friends of that same crowd, like cop shoot cop. And there was a whole fun, you know, kind of similar vibe going yeah. on there. And then later on, I got to see it, um, in the art world when I was doing a gallery and it was kind of the whole, um, uh, there's so many different names for it. Uh, pop surrealism kind of mm -hmm. movement. Yeah. Um, when that was really kind of nascent and just kind of forming and coming around, it was the same energy again, and it, yeah. it got me very excited to see like artists like you know Dalek and Coop and and uh, you know Gary Baseman and just a whole slew of people, kind of all you know the energy that was happening around that was. was run into the fray so sorry i was i was uh i was laid off so you were talking about the energy um the energy that got transported by those scenes right um did that also then incite you as mrap again when you got big um I think, I don't think it was a, a conscientious, like a, a, a upfront thought to mimic what I'd seen at a certain point, because I mean, I, I'll have to back up that, that the Minneapolis thing was kind of tied into the whole hardcore scene, yeah. you know, replacements and, and Hooskers were playing a lot of the same bills. Soul Asylum were, were loud, fast rules. 
you know, at that point, almost straight up hardcore playing with bands like my band at the time and, and Willful Neglect and, and uh, a couple other Minneapolis things. So that was a whole, I watched stuff evolve out of one, you know, it was hardcore scene. So when mm. Discharge came to Minneapolis or Minor Threat came to Minneapolis, you know, all of us teenage kids were like, ah, we're there. And it was, the, this energy was fantastic. And then watching, um, like, you know, Hooskers, who I was be better friends with than any, any of the other bands were, were, I keep saying, watching them evolve out of that, you know, like yeah. I left, I go to Seattle. The first time they came out there in 84, I was in Seattle, like watching those guys, you know, listening to everything they're doing, because they're rapidly releasing records at the time. Um, you know, listening to them come out of hardcore and put all these other influences in, you know. Um, I remember as a teenager, like Bob Mould going, there's this new band I fucking love. They're amazing. They're called R.E.M. I'm like, okay, well, let me hear it. And he puts it on. I'm like 17 going, fuck. Well, yeah, what is this? this is garbage. I hate this shit. Yeah. But you could hear how that influenced him, you know, in his songwriting, which got a fucking, you know, so much, so, so great. Uh, but getting to watch, you know, them evolve, then going to Seattle and, and I was hooked up with the U-Men and they were friends with like the Mudhoney guys and pretty much everyone out in Seattle. And it was the same thing where it's a bunch of mostly not everyone, but a lot of hardcore kids like Steve Turner and Mark Armour both came out, you know, going to hardcore shows in, in 81, 82 when they were, they were the same age as me. So they're, you know, kids. And now let's, let's bring in the Stooges. Let's bring in these weird Australian bands like feed time and let's blend it all together and do something new. So yeah. getting to see that it wasn't a formula. It was just this uh, organic thing that would happen. Mm. So on a certain level, it's like, okay, let's do it again. Go back to Minneapolis. I want that to happen again. I want this organic push forward. You know, I want to hear stuff because my whole kick back then was I didn't want to hear the same shit over and over. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of uh, respect. I guess it's, you know, that's too harsh of a word. But for somebody who like, you know, in 1981 heard all these amazing hardcore records like Circle Jerks right. and Black Flag and Husker Du and, and the whole Boston thing and, and like, you know, Minor Threat and then never wanted to change. Like, I just want to stay this way for the rest of my life. And you'll still, I know some of the people that are still yeah. you know, living that. And it's like, dude, it's 40 fucking years later. Give it a rest already. Um, music ain't worth shit if it got more than four chords. But to me, that and to me personally, I realized like some people that clicked. That's what that made it great for them. And I'm far more tolerant of it than when I was younger. When I was younger, it's like I wanted the new kick in the head. It's like, oh, that was fucking great. But I'm over it. Let's go. Let's. I want yeah. something new. You know, it, to me, it was the new, the different. And so when I left Seattle, which was watching all that happen, you know, seeing um, all those bands like Soundgarden and and uh, Nirvana hadn't really played, but the Melvins, that's when I, I met those guys out there at that time. Um, you know, wanted to kind of continue the same energy, the same mm -hmm. thing, which is we can sit down and even though people may not necessarily be like a hardcore kid, it might be a punk rock thing or come from different angles, but it was like, let's, I want it new and I want it to kick mm -hmm. me in the head. You know, that's kind of is the that What's that? Is that also one of the reasons why the MREP roster was so diverse. Yeah, because I mean, I wasn't looking to duplicate, you know, the same. Like you said, you don't want to do a second or third helmet. 
right it just yeah. was not you know yeah. Yeah. um you know it's like i had my own band and that was really kind of more garage oriented than most anything else we worked with but i wasn't you mean halo of flies I, yeah I, I didn't want a bunch of halo flies clones i didn't want mm. you know mm. um the cows were their own fucking animal from hell uh yeah. and you know so on and so forth so yeah to me it was it, it was like trying to because that's how I listened to music, you know, as well, like coming up, especially um, the era where I really became cognizant of music was kind of that um, initial, not early on, but like I, I bought my first punk rock record in 1978 as a kid in Michigan, which was like, that know, was like the year I was born, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like the Sex Pistols and the Damned and Buzzcocks. And I got into all that. But I yeah. got into it a year later as they're all like the buzzcocks are going off into this weird area. And then mm -hmm. you fast forward a year, like an also by with a year later, here's like this whole neo ska thing, which I really loved, like the specials and in, in English beat. The gang of four joy division thing was happening in 79, which was like mind-blowing. Like putting on first time I heard Gang of Four, I had no reference. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I can't yeah. you know I mean? like you can't place what I can't. My head, you know, can't wrap around it. I used to love that sensation. Mm. I fucking love it. Like, first time you hear birthday party, you're like, I, what the fuck is going on? You know, I don't quite, I can't grasp. And I don't think somebody who can, you know, hearing birthday party the first time now is not the same as hearing it in like, you know, 80 or 81, where you're just like, what the fuck is this beast? You know, uh, I, I know no, you I have, you might have heard like a little bit of this or a little bit of that or other people that were influenced by them. Yeah. But anyhow, um, so I was the point being that to my mind, it was all this radical alternative shit yeah. that was nothing like each other. It didn't have to be, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that kept proceeding where I loved hardcore, but at the same time I listened to hardcore, one of my favorite bands in the world was Chrome, you know. And Ooh, other bands, yeah. Pirubu, you know, that had nothing to do with hardcore. No, so not, not at to this, all. So this opened to, to you know many different sounds. So it wasn't mm -hmm. like we had, you know, you had to dress a certain way. You know, play, use this type of distortion pedal. It had, the beat has to yeah, be yeah. this many beats per. You know, it was nothing. There was no formula yeah. on that level. It was just like, well, how you hit me at that time, you know, was what got you through the door, I guess. Then I gotta ask this: uh, When was the last time that you had that feeling with a new band or a band that you now discover? Um, it's. It's really, uh, I've noticed that kind of, uh, I mean, like we both know that it will never be the same as when you're in your late teens, early twenties, right. so that, that will never be the same, but we always discover new bands, right? And when was the last uh, yeah. time that you were really punched? So like right now, like Mr. Flies is a new band I'm working with and, um, yeah. they're mixing up stuff in a different way. Um, that's really cool. But I mean, as far as the last time, like, you know, a birthday party level, you know, meteor mm. strike. I can't say that I've heard heard that in a while, but I also feel that bands aren't trying to do that anymore. Like something shifted and I, you know, the best I could pin it on is like right around 2000, where it seemed as though a lot of genres were just willing to sit there and raid the past and not mm -hmm. push the ball forward, you know, let's go, mm -hmm. let's do mm -hmm. something. 
Um, and I don't know if that's a fair assessment or if that's just my own bias, but it really seems I can't think of, you know, I can go down the list of stuff that, you know, the first time I heard the cramps, which were doing retro shit, but it was amazing, you know. Um, mm. And I kind of compare like Mr. Flies to that in my mind where it's like they're they're raiding from the past, but they're pushing stuff into new directions, which I really uh, uh, dig. I mean, so much so that I kind of had sworn off like I'm not working with new bands. <laughs> you know, I mean, we might do a dope guns here or there. In which I can, you know, pull in some bands I've listened to that mm -hmm. I like. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, uh, I always jokingly say it's like I had my heart broke too many times to want to, you know, completely mm -hmm. get into a band, love it, believe in it, and do give it your all, and then have the world go, meh. Yeah. You know, you're Mark. just like, fuck you. And then after about the 20th time that happens, you're just kind of like, you know what? I'm, I can't, I can't do this. I can't, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. So you, uh, I kind of backed off on that until these guys came along and I was just like listening to like they had their stuff on band camp and I'm just listening to it over and over and over. And I was like, I got to fucking get off my ass and, and you know, help out the new kids. I got to go do something for the kids. I know what you mean. And I also, in a way, very often have a feeling as if that what you described as Bands, the calcification. Yeah, that makes sense. Like calcification, like the people they talk yeah, about. Yeah, I know calcifies with hate. Yeah, I know. It it's seems like, like rock and roll was having this calcification. We're just calcified around, you know, metal. Yeah. The millennial generation kept trying to redefine forty, you know, styles of metal. It's just fucking metal, dude. It's speed metal. I mean, come on. But no, it's death gore, Mortimer metal. This is metallic warfare <laughs> metal. This is yeah, yeah, bullet. Yeah face stopping metal and you're just like dude it yeah. sounds like cookie monster shit that's been going on for 30 fucking years that's a really good band but come on it's not a new thing i know what you mean but i also think that it's in a way related to labels because i think that we also find a lot of labels out there who try to reap what the 80s the 70s 80s 90s established without adding something new and i must admit that like three years ago, I found at least one label of which I can say, okay, they do it differently. And uh, that is for Flenser from San Francisco. You know, they yeah, they, def they define something that I think like is a new sound. And even though they have like very diverse artists. Um, but I think it's also important. And I think that's something that you also tried to do with MREP. You know, um, build a roster that is interesting. Don't always go like, oh, I got helmets, so let's get in three more helmets. Oh, yeah. Oh, I I got today is the day, so let's bring in three more Steve Austins. But it, I got know, the Melvin. In hindsight, that might not have been a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, in hindsight. But now I'm thinking about needs, it. What the fuck was I thinking? Why didn't you sound? Who need? Who know? needs a pool? Who needs a pool? <laughs> sign Limp Biscuit. Get the pool in Hollywood. What the fuck is wrong with you, you dumbass? <laughs> But you know, and still, to be yeah. fair, there has been bands, and I, I'm my I'm uh, my memory is a piece of uh, shitty Swiss cheese. You know, lots of holes in it. Lots so, of I mean, holes I in it. Yeah. I can't just like you know uh, throw out a bunch of names. But over the years, there has been you know bands that I thought came along and I really enjoyed. Uh, a frames, you know, at the time mm -hmm. the A frames were doing uh, new releases and playing stuff, I thought they were really fresh. 
you know, an original, and you know, so I'm not saying that there, it doesn't exist. It just seemed like it was very reduced and yeah. Yeah. kids did not seem interested in breaking into new ground as fans, as well as bands, mm. you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm into hardcore, I'm into metal, I'm into, uh, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, I just re re recently referred to uh, uh, Grant Hart saying that a couple of years, God, 10, 15 years ago, we were at the art gallery at an opening sitting outside and two guys with mohawks, you know, GBH and discharge on their leather <laughs> walked by and he, and he said something to the effect of, hey, fuckhead, start your own youth movement, you know, because at that point it was 30 years, 25 years after the fact, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. when that was a radical act. And that's the thing too, like trying to convey to certain people, like, you know, different eras of, of music that I saw, it was, you got bottles thrown at you from a fucking car. You got jumped by more than a couple of guys because you had a shaved head or you had yeah. a mohawk. Or you wore that, you know, that one T-shirt into school, or you, you know, literally, it was radical. And I would get into fights in my school because I had peg leg jeans and a shaved head, you know, with T-shirts and a flannel with a T-shirt. That was enough to, you know, that guy's a fucking weirdo. Get him, you know, kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, and like literally having to fight for it, you know. Then that's something like I don't. I kind of was hoping that I'd be able to watch, you know, youth do that. Like, you know, what is it going to take for you guys to upset? It's so easy to push buttons and upset the everything. Like, I mean, come on, start pushing some fucking buttons. Yeah, I mean, like uh, being a teacher, I, I sometimes have a feeling as if they have, the youth sometimes has a feeling as if, A, they ain't been hurt, and B, they ain't got nothing to say because everything's been said. So they go to Primark and buy Nirvana shirts or the Stones or whatever is on the new shirt. Um, and then a hideous teacher like me comes up and says like, okay, so uh, you're wearing a Ramones shirt. Cool. What's your favorite song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Song? That, that, that is a band? I just like the shirt. Um, but I know what you mean. And... Um, I, I had, I got, I had a similar one where I got to, I got to bum out a, a guy that worked with me at the bar by, I used to have in downtown Minneapolis and he was a, a kitchen manager and he's talking to another manager and he's wearing his leather jacket and he has discharge on the back. And the old crabby boss walked by and said, Oh, I opened for those guys in 82. And he's just like, you know, total fucking <laughs> like, I've got my own culture and it's no one no understands or knows what this is. It's like, yeah, I know what it is. I used to be do that, but that was like 25 fucking years ago, dude. <laughs> Come on, like Grant said. Get your own youth code, man. Let's go. Move it on. You're supposed to be pissing me off, kid. Not doing shit I did. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's true. But I think uh, I think you gotta you gotta you touched on it too, where there's just like I you know, that whole like, well, it's all been done. It's always all been done, you know. Yeah, that's, that's what, what they think. Thought. Every time until somebody does it different. Yeah, right. Uh, you, you were speaking about the bar or the bars that you had and have in Minneapolis. Um, I know that there is this Melvin's life record, Melvin's versus Minneapolis. Okay. How involved, how involved were you with the conception and execution of that record? That came together... Um... There was a guy who who since 
the guy who did all the recordings for that is, has passed away. He took his own life years ago. But he, a guy that worked with me at the gallery, was friends with him and knew the Melbournes were coming and said, I, I got, you know, he's got a bunch of these live things. Let's put this all, to, you know, together. So my my uh, uh, involvement wasn't, it was more like a super fan who had the largest um, live recordings of the Melvins. And he pulled the ones that were specific to us. And then Wes, who is a, a burlesque design, used to do, uh, oh, what the fuck was the name of his zine? He had a zine back then, I'm Swiss cheese. Uh, can't remember the name of it, but he, you know, wanted to do the, the layout and, then we physically, you know, literally sat there gluing them together. But it was a, it was a multi, several several different people at that time too. The label was the most defunct it ever was, and it was more a thing just to make the the show of the Melvins at in Minneapolis something special. Because mm -hmm. I that was what kept my one foot in the game of rele making releases and stuff. And with the Melvins was Buzz would always want to play the bar in. Um, I always wanted to make the show, you know, put something special or extra into the yeah. show than just being another, you know. So it was kind of fun. And he he knew that, too, by playing the bar. It was outside of the normal live circuit in Minneapolis. So I don't know if you ever had that happen, but if you go to see the same band you might have seen a dozen times, but you go to see them in a new setting. Different. Um, it puts you a different spin on it. You get a different view of it and stuff. I mean, I kind of figured that out back um back in the amrap days where we would put do shows in weird places because it would just kind of you know revitalize a, a somebody to their fan yeah. base's eyes um so when the melvins would play grumpies it was always kind of a different thing because it wasn't the same three bars that you would always see a band like the melvins mm -hmm. you know in minneapolis um you said that you know in a way that at the time, that was like the most defunct that Amrap had ever been. Would you say that in a way, the Melvins also kept Amrap going? Oh yeah, I always joke that you know I tried to get out and Buzz dragged me back in, because um, mm -hmm. you'd always you know want it. We would always be up for doing wacky shit, you know. Mm -hmm. um, for, and for a while there, we you know we did like the infamous single that can still go for up to a thousand dollars on ebay which is a blank single you know we made a hundred of them had grooves but it was just like nothing on it we joked you know that one side was a john kate you know the john kate four minutes of 33 or whatever the fuck that pretentious bullshit was um so we multiple you know did a silk screen sleeve they signed every copy it was a blank record we sold them for five bucks but now people, and the funny part is, I love that when it sells on, when you see one pop up on eBay, they'll never say it's a blank record. No, of course they'll not. Always say, they'll always say it's like, you know, the infamous, you know, shit sandwich single. Yeah. And because not, you know, if they like, say it's a blank one, everybody will be like, wait, if it's a blank one. But I think, I think, I think that, anyone that who's must pay, be, that must be stolen. Anyone who's going to pay hundreds of dollars for a record, I'm assuming knows it's a yeah. blank rocket record. But yeah, but I I I would guess what with the development of vinyl prices and vinyl collectors right now, even a blank record by the Mil by the Melvins would easily make two hundred bucks, two hundred, three hundred bucks because I just gotta have it. Yeah, uh, I mean, when we when you're talking about different things that you did, I gotta ask that 
Why did we never get an MRAP Records cage match two? You talking about with the Unsane? That is uh, the Unsane cover thing. Melvin's. Um, yeah. I think that was that was just for uh, you know. But, uh, well, that was a tour one, but I mean, like the right. Melvin's have been touring constantly, so why not? To I don't know if they've another version. Up, if they've lined up with anybody, I'm trying to think because that that was a little bit different because it was like kind of a. Uh, a band from the old school brotherhood, you know, the unseen yeah. started yeah, yeah, roughly yeah, yeah. at the same time as the Mel, you know, so it's yeah. a band they came up with. So they're, they're kind of, you know, it's, you know, a brotherhood of, of that type of thing. I can't, I'm trying to think if they've done, um, they, you know, they toured a little bit with uh, John Spencer and we did a, a split single for that. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a matter of, they haven't really toured with a band similar in that vein. You know, they've had mm -hmm. lots of, young unknown bands they'll bring out on tour with themselves that they like or are trying to support but it's a little tougher sell you know to put together like here's that band you've never heard of and don't give a fuck about in the melvin split single you know? <laughs> but it would, this, this... it would still <laughs> it would sell it would still sell yeah it's just not the excitement there to call it a cage matcher i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's not it's not a, and it's also not as musically level had leveled like on saying yeah, kind of, you know, right it's kind of the same, like I said, they're it's from the old school. It's not an asymmetrical thing. Old right? school brotherhood yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, when we were talking about this new record by the Melvins, I mean, like, I got to ask you, as you have released some of their records, some officially and some unofficially prick. Um, it, was, it was official. It officially pissed off Atlantic. Well, that is a good thing, right? <laughs> um, but no, you 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 have you have seen the Melvins in in several incarnations in several lineups. Um, how do you how do you like the latest one with with Stephen and Dale and and Buzz? It's always always um, it always blows my mind how Buzz can revitalize by picking the right person at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I I think my favorite. Favorite example of that was when um, Kevin Romanis, they had some run-ins and Kevin was out as bass player. He was long running and he used to be in the cows. And I, Kevin's like a dear friend of mine. It was, you know, it was upsetting that he, that the way that played out, everyone's made up, everything's better, better now. But when that happened and Buzz goes, well, I'm bringing in um, these guys that have this band called Big Business. Big Business, yeah. And I, they, at that point, I don't think they had a lot of material out. They'd been around. I'd heard them. And he said, I said, what do you mean? You're just getting the bass player ready? He goes, no, I'm bringing the drummer in, too. I'm like, that's that's fucking stupid and insane, Buzz. Like, you have one of the best drummers in the fucking world. Why the hell would you need a, a second drummer? That doesn't make any although, fucking sense. It doesn't make any sense to me Dale whatsoever. Although Dale say... Up yeah, until, would now say, I'm up 69. until the moment I saw him live. And then I was like, holy shit, why would I even question you? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. I mean, like, he has a real, he has a good touch for it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And it's like pulling in people and and utilizing their strengths. I think, uh, you know, Buzz has um, a bigger exposure to to uh, pop music than any some people might suspect. I mean, he's really broad spectrum, you know, uh, of what he likes and doesn't like. Is is really vast, 
you know, I think people are often surprised when they find out. I was just bitching to another friend of mine that one time Buzz dragged me to go see Elton John, which I still did not like. But, <laughs> you know, and he's a fan and good for him. So, but I think that element is there with Buzz. And I think Stephen play, you know, brings that out. Um, because Stephen is definitely also a big fan of, you know, I'm 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 it's hard to encapsulate or quantify, but it's just like uh um, you know, I, I would not be surprised if Stephen knows every carpenter song. You know what I mean? Like He's he yeah. he loves his California music and pop music, and he's not, you know, bubblegum. It's been he's been into bubblegum. You know, you look at Red Cross and some of the stuff they did. So I mean, it's kind of like that bringing that out and Buzz's songwriting um, makes for another cool, you know, out, you know, shift twist, while still still being Buzz. So it's like you can't, you know, yeah. It's not like he's he's not a chameleon. He doesn't change. You know, he might the color might change a little bit, but the shape is still the same. Yeah, it's yeah, still, yeah. It's you know. it's still unmistakably it's still unmistakably crawling along a stick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's also true when you say like when you listen to the new record, I'm like, on the one hand, it has the longest Melvin's song ever, and that is the opener. Uh, and on the other hand, there are like songs that they are not pop songs not at all but, but they have elements. a but they they have that that little that little nuance in it where you say like okay that is appealing i'm like yeah. hell i listened to the record in preparation for for this interview i listened to the record yesterday and my wife who's a total and i love her for that she's she's an r&b and jazz lady and soul and everything and she comes in and I'm just listening to one of those tracks and she's like, oh, that sounds nice. And she meant it totally, totally, honestly, nice. And I was like, yeah, that's for Melvin's. And I was like, shall I play you another song? And, and she knows me. She was like, no. <laughs> Don't push it. But that you're is, pushing your luck. Yeah, you're right, right. But that is something that I really like about this new record. Once again. I mean, like every Melvin's record is a Melvin's record is a Melvin's record, right? We don't have to discuss that. But he is able to come up with new twists, new nuances. And is that, and I got to ask, is that also one of the reasons why you did this record again with him? Why you agreed to do a full length without a Yeah, I think, I think he just, you know, the impression I get, we didn't really talk in depth about it. He brought it to me and I, you know, I... Whatever Buzz brings me said and seen, I'm going to do. That that's not. Okay. I don't even have to hear it. It's just like you know. That's. I was earlier on talking about the trust that we have with each other. It's like I'm not going to question. Yeah. What he what he wants to do. Um. No, to me, it's not. I don't know. It doesn't surprise me. I what I'm always, in relation to what we're discussing, I'm always hilariously. I, I see these. There's a, a certain subset of asshole Melvin fans, very small. But they're, they're, every time the Melvins do something different, they're the first ones to rush online and go, it's over. It's fucking over. And the Melvins are horrible. You're <laughs> just like, Jesus Christ, dude. How many years have you been doing this? And then the same motherfuckers, the same motherfuckers yeah, yeah, six yeah. months from now will be going, it's the best ever. Those guys have achieved a new a new high mark. And you're just like, go fuck yourself, you asshole. How many times you got to play this game? But... You know, it's over and over. 
But and isn't it like Waldorf and Stettler? What's that? Isn't it like Waldorf and Stettler from the Mel from the, the Muppets? Oh, it's the best thing I ever heard. Oh, it was good. Well, there were parts of it I liked. Oh, it was not so good. Oh, yeah, it was horrible. I was. It's the same. It's the same way. But you right? see it watching it now for for year after year. You're yeah. just like, oh yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ! I mean, yeah. it, it amazes me. But uh, they don't can't figure out that he's not going to. You know, he's always going to be Buzz. He's always going to. You know, there's still yeah. that direct link back to the fucking. You know, eyes flies and you know the stuff off the first record that's still him it's still in his dna but uh and you know it's the only way he keeps it interesting for himself is to you know how many times could you know it's like you're gonna play the same fucking song over and over write the same song in yeah. twenty five thousand ways but it's the same song i mean we all remember yeah. as much as like you brought up the ramones earlier it's like after I mean, know, like I would always come and go, where you're just like check back in after five years, like yep, still the Ramones. Check back out, come back five years later, like what are they doing yeah. now? Oh, it's still the fucking you know. Bah, dah, bah, dah, dah, bah. And it's like okay, yeah, right, right. And, and I mean, I, 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 I mean, playing like, that like you you know, speaking of the Ramones, like you watch that documentary where it's like how sour and shitty it got between the yeah. you know, certain members. I think that was part of it too. Is just like how long can you pound your head on the same wall? as a creative person and not, you know, by most bands by now have long since stopped being relevant. You know, yeah. they're still just living off. And if you, where you really see that is when you see the Melvins, I don't know how it is in Europe, but it's stateside. I've seen them everywhere across the country. I'm um, just recently like drove down to Omaha to go see them. And the difference is between them and I won't name any bands because I'm not slagging them, but bands of the same era of the same, genre that came up at the same time frame as the melvin you'll go to their show and everyone's the same age as me you know it's a bunch of 45 to 60 year old guys that are all it's their one night out for this three month period it's the one time they're gonna you know have a few drink you know that it's that crowd which is fine um yeah but when you go to a melvin show in omaha or texas or la and i've done merch at many of these shows and it's like more than half the crowd is under 30 you know, yeah. at times. And that's that to me is just like, um, that's amazing. That And that's because the continual renewal and the energy is still there. Um, yeah. So that and, one and weirdo Vera's, metal kid. Well, I'm sorry, go ahead. There has never been like a real stop for the Melvins, you know? It's not like the Pixies who had this long period of not being a band right and then starting being a live band again and then some years later starting to write new stuff again i think that is something i don't, that I don't think any, relevant I, here. I, I don't think i've ever seen you know speaking of that as an example and, and i don't mean to pick on them at all but i've seen it we've both seen it dozens and dozens of times i don't think you ever i've never seen anyone able to capture that magic again like once you stop and move on and have this 10-year break where everyone went off and had a whole different life for X amount mm -hmm. of years. Uh, the only bands I've ever seen that can continue that are like individuals or a band that never stopped. Like you can't stop without, from my from my bullshit armchair. Uh, uh, I, I know what you mean. 
I, I, I also would basically totally agree. I got one example in my mind where the life experience was just the same way as it was and as explosive as it had been before. And uh, I, I'd seen one of the last shows by Swedish hardcore band Refused. Okay. Before not, they not stopped in 98. Days. And when they came back 15 years later, it was the same kind of energy. But, and now comes the difference to the moment, live, the band is still untouchable. Where It's like still one of the best hardcore bands I've ever seen. But the records since have been lacking. Yeah. And, it's and that is where you like, say, like, you have to be continuous. The momentum, there's something to be said for that. Um, yeah. You know, I've seen people do it a different way, like Billy Childish is a prime example of, yeah. he changed it, he's changing it up constantly, you know, renaming the band, new members, but there's still yeah. that energy. And when you, you know, I, it's yeah. been a while since I saw him live, but it's still the same, you know, but he, once again, is somebody who's never quit. He never stopped. He never yeah, lost yeah, that mojo yeah, yeah, that he got, that got him, propelled him in the first place. Yeah. Um, and and I also think you're totally right when you mentioned the, the new names of bands and project that he was in. He, and I think there's also a difference to the Melvins. He always assumes that if there's a bigger change in sound or songwriting or style, then it has to be a different name. Whereas Buzz just doesn't give a fuck about it and just says yeah. like, this band is us and it's always us and we do whatever we want to do. Yeah, to me, it's the Melvins. Uh, that that the Melvins. makes makes life easier. Right? There was a, a, a local band and I won't mention any of the names. Brilliant songwriter and brilliant musician and he always put together these great lineups. But every time he, he would do the Billy Childs thing of like, oh, it's a new thing, I got to rename it. And just watch him just go, you know, go from packing in the bar to back to 10 people build it up to yeah, a packing yeah. in the bar and then the band disintegrates and now he's back yeah. to 10 people and you're just like watching going dude just keep the same fucking name it's you you're writing yeah. all the songs you're making them. yeah um so there's, and if yeah. you got a problem with it then give it your own fucking name yeah and just call it the john smith project right exactly but uh yeah. i don't know to each of their own i've seen you know Billy makes it work. He doesn't hasn't doesn't seem to lose any momentum. So, no. One last question before we come to our infamous quickfire round, where I'll give you two alternatives and you have to choose. Um, when doing a little bit of research, I came across a, like a, a description of you that I would like to give back, and I would like to have your notion on it. There was a German journalist who calls you one of the forefathers of noise rock. Okay. I don't know. How do you feel yeah, about that? What, is it, what does it mean, I guess? Um, yeah. I, I always thought it was funny because I think the noise rock, the whole moniker came from just a graphic, a graphic flair. Like when I was designing the logo, um, I was stealing part of the shape of the Infinity Reptile logo from this uh, defunct corporation called Cyclops. How ominous sounding is that? Cyclops. And uh, they had that that shape, but it didn't work just by itself. So I'm like, I need to make it square, you know, doing design. Noise. I'm just going to throw noise back there. Like it had no more thought than it was a design flare. 
And then fast forward to, you know, 40 years later, 35, whatever the fuck it is. And <laughs> it's a noise. It's a genre. You're just like, okay, I'll, I'll take it. Sure. With all the, with all the I, forethought I'm, I'm, of, of like what looks cool. This looks cool. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would even say there is something like noise rock. There is a genre like that. Well, it, that is, it's I think that's legit, but, but yeah, like, and it has developed. And I think there is a difference between having a genre and associating you with it. Because as you said, it was like a style thing, right? Yeah. It's, and, it's, yeah. How do you, you know, I always marvel at that fact that no one seems to pick up on that too, that nine out of 10 times anyone associated with a genre doesn't want to be associated with the genre. Yeah. You know, go ask any grunge band if they're grunge, go ask, you know, how many, how many, you know, original wave hardcore bands, you know, go ask the meat puppets if they're hardcore, you know what I mean? Just like, it's yeah. like everyone tries to run, usually run away from being quantified and, and yeah. pigeonholed. Yeah, because it's creatively strangling, but at the same time, it's like, well, fuck you. I don't know. Maybe take some pride in it. You, you did something. It's better than nothing. I mean, like, I I don't know how 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 Yao would react if we called him like, oh, you're you're one of the noise rock singers. Would he slap me in the face? Would he congratulate me, or would he just go away laughing? I I, I guess it could be either of a three, depending on yeah, probably all three time and day, depending on on, on where he was at and. <laughs> Yeah. So I, love I haven't seen David in a really long time, but he's a he's a fucking great guy. Well, if you see him and uh, if he ever wants to do a good interview, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pass it on for sure. <laughs> that don't don't that's not talk about other shit than us. Um, we always end our interviews here on Veil of Sound with eight to ten questions which are always like roses versus tulips which do you like more of course it's roses for me tulips for my wife um and they always are in some ways related to in your case yourself or a certain band so i'll i'll give you always two alternatives and you choose uh let's make it easy uh minor fret versus fugazi oh fuck come on they can't do that quick <laughs> fucking brain melt um, out of I'm gonna go with minor threat strictly on on uh um yeah minor threat fuck it I don't gotta explain it's minor threat exactly Roland's band versus Black Flag oh come on Black Flag although I have to say that liar is Black still Black Flag. one of the nicest <laughs> nicest uh, hardcore song yeah yeah I know um. Soundgarden versus Alice in Chains. Soundgarden. Mm -hmm. Not even hesitating. Nerd. I mean, Soundgarden, I remember the first stuff, hearing their first things, which were like almost like chrome-like, like kind of fucked up avant-garde yeah. more. Than, yeah, 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 yeah. That's I true. was like, Psh. I don't think Alice in Chains ever came close to that, having a moment like that. Well, Alice in Chains are basically like a kind of off hair band. Glam rock. Converted right. into grunge. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of like... You know, Nirvana versus Pearl Jam. Nirvana. No hesitation. Have, yeah. Um, wine versus beer. I'm going to go with wine. Mm -hmm. 
and not the not the nice stuff. I'm talking. You, you guys don't have MD twenty twenty over there, do you? In Germany, no, I don't think there's such a thing as fortified we, wine, is there? We we got we got uh, bad Italian wine that we sell for a buck in the local. Right, that's, this is this is worse than that. This is fortified. <laughs> this is where they take shitty wine and then pour grain alcohol into it. Ooh. <laughs> so it uh, there's like there's several brands that I was I was used to be quite fond of in my youth. Mad Dog 2020 was one. Okay. Uh Wild Irish Rose, that was another one. And the okay. infamous Thunderbird. You knew when you got hit <laughs> by the fucking Thunderbird. And that was a favorite because it's two bottle, two dollars for a bottle, you know. And mm -hmm. yeah, one bottle would fuck you up. So it's like, come on, two bucks. I'm in. I'm in. Wine. Uh, I don't want to ask you, or I, I didn't want to give you Seattle versus Minneapolis because that would be a very uncool thing, Seattle. I guess. <laughs> I wanted to give you Los Angeles versus New York. Oh, Los Angeles by a long shot. No, because no, you want the no pool, hesitation. right? Yeah, you're still you're pool. still grieving the over the pool. pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I always Los Angeles is a. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's a. Uh, I did. It's. Way more American, and I'm way more comfortable with it. New York is almost European at points and in, in certain ways. And that's why I like it. <laughs> and that's why I don't like it. I like, uh, to yeah. me, L.A. fits my whole upbringing, my whole life. It makes perfect mm -hmm. sense to me. Okay. So it's like, totally fine. Totally and the fine. fucking weather. Jesus Christ, you can't beat it. Of course, nowadays you have True. to figure out how to navigate homeless camps to... Cool. Well, wow. and I think, and I think the the problem with LA is beginning. It's heating up, right? It's no rain and and everything, right? Um, I now give you two two questions that are related to to your biography and to the places you lived in. Husker du versus the replacements. Gonna go with Husker du. Hmm. Um, Grant was like a. One of my best friends up until he passed. But right now, literally one of my best friends is Chris Mars. But as far as I'm saying who's going to do, because at the time, they were way more my speed. Get mm -hmm. that? I slid, slid that in their speed, land speed record. Um, That was just way more intense impact on me as a kid mm -hmm. um, than the replacements had. Yeah, also because probably they're a little, they're a little closer to hardcore, right? So... I guess a little closer. Right. They were straight up hardcore. If you listen to that land speed records, do you have that record? Do you have that record? I do. One of yeah. One you have of them, it. Right? Put it on. Yeah, as soon I as think you get I all done here. Put it on. Yeah. They don't get more um, hardcore than that record. Yeah. I mean, like that's also that's like what you described, right? The the development of that band. Yeah. Being a real real straight up hardcore band and then developing something that we later on called post-hardcore but they totally but now blended it it was such a great blend of like that same energy and speed and then with melodies and and hooks and you know that was fucking that was phenomenal no one else did it nearly that as well. way yeah how do you then feel about sugar i'm i'm not a big fan i just kind of not uh, a big not a big fan because sugar is the follow-up for for Bob or not a big fan because the music just doesn't hit you. The music just never hit me in in the same way. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, never, never could. I mean, I, I liked where Grant went post Tusker Do, especially the, mm-hmm. I don't, his last couple records before he passed away were fucking some of the best shit he ever did. By, mm-hmm. by bar none, just phenomenal um, mm-hmm. stuff. But as you know, it's just like it didn't. It's not like you have to pick one or the other. But I just kind of organically just stayed in the you know paid more attention to what Grant was doing. It was more you know relevant yeah. or uh, than. Than Bob per se. The two big guitar players from the two big American cities he lived in, Hendrix versus Prince. Oh come on, you got to ask that. It's Hendrix. I Hendrix. I had people here who would argue that Prince is one of the best guitar players ever. He's a fucking great, but the difference between Prince's being a virtuoso guitar player. Yeah. Um, and Hendrix being Hendrix a was not a virtuoso. Hendrix destroyed the entire fucking universe and put it all yeah. back together with six strings. Yeah. I mean, Hendrix was a fucking uh, 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 thousand year, you know, thousand year tsunami versus yeah. Prince, who was. I'm not belittling Prince by at all, but to my mind, you know, when you listen to to purple haze and imagine that getting played on fucking the radio in 1967 that is still one of the most abrasive fucked up you know you're just like what the fuck i mean can you imagine a a 50 year old in 1967 hearing that (laughs) it would literally sound like this to their ears you know what i mean exactly yeah and we're not even talking about his his version of the Star Spangled Banner, which I still remember my host dad back in Atlanta always said, like, that's not music. And, um, and also, too, you have to acknowledge that, you know, Prince went a long way in worshipping Hendrix as well. So, yeah, it's debatable. If, would pre- Prince be Prince if there wasn't a Hendrix? You could maybe have that conversation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for the next question, I want to know which sport would you prefer? Football. Bowling. bowling. Sport. Sport. I'm Football, baseball, or basketball? I honestly could not give a fuck about anything. Okay, then I'll ask you, the Seahawks or the Vikings? Well, I'm going to have to call Vikings. Come on. Just because it's a cooler mascot than a Seahawk. <sighs> but it's Kirk Cousins. Anyway, um, last one. Um, because both are both acts are from the same city from Duluth. Low versus Dylan. I'm gonna say Dylan just because I've listened to Dylan more. Mm-hmm. And Dylan's not actually from Duluth, he's from Hibbing. Yeah, but isn't that he was like born in Duluth? But that's because that's the only place they had a hospital up where he lived. <laughs> if you go if you go to Northern from, Minnesota, that's enough. If you go to Northern no, Minnesota. No, I'm not from Minnesota. I never, no, I I've never been go. there, I got to admit. Okay. Northern Minnesota, there, there's not a lot going on. There's a lot of trees, a lot of lakes, not a lot of people. So, I mean, it's really uh, funny because Minnesota doesn't really seem to have that big of an affinity for Bob Dylan. You know, he's like born and bred here. Like he was born here, lived here yeah. too. He was 18, 18 or 19. I don't know exactly what year he went off to New York and then denied. He was from Minnesota for many years. For, for many years. Oh, he would, he, also when they asked also him, he denied he having a German name. What, Zimmerman? Yeah, Zimmerman. 
Yeah, we that you know I don't think if that was as intense for him as denying he was from Minnesota. He was from Arizona. What he used to say, like Arizona, dude, who gives a fuck? Is this as bad as Minnesota? Just yeah, hot. yeah. Where you die of dehydration? Yes, Minnesota, you die of frostbite. Yeah, don't pass out in the snowbank. There's there's some good advice, kid. Yeah, and I don't know which border is worse, for border to Mexico or for border to Canada. One brings in snow and the other brings in drugs. Well. Yeah. I'd rather be sitting at the, the Mexican border is a fucking nightmare to go across because they're intensely going through everything all the time, whereas the Canadian border, up until recent years, uh, pre-9-11, it was literally like, that wasn't even the border, right? It was. There was guys on both sides of it, but they didn't. They, you know, they wouldn't even stop yet. They're just like, eh, they look like Americans. Come on, or yeah, they look like Canucks. Come on, no one gave a shit. Now, now it's uh not quite that uh, free and easy anymore, especially with COVID shit. Mm. Still, still playing that game. So uh, we got to say that we must be, if we're talking about playing the game, we must be happy that the Melvins are still playing their game. And um, I must say that I'm very happy that you are, at least for, at the moment, two full lengths playing the I'm not only distributing life records and EPs game again. Yeah, we'll see how if it goes. we If we get more full lengths by MREP, I'm very happy about it. And I know at least one Canadian band, Ken Mode, who would love to publish a record. They're, they're good. I like Ken Mode. Um, and, yeah, there's, and, there's uh, good stuff out there, but it's just like, like I said, that thing where it's just like. Yeah, it's got to pay in a way, right? It's kind of like when you have kids and you just go, do you want to like start having kids again? You're like, it was great. Don't get me wrong. I fucking loved it, but. Yeah, enough. now I'm I'm 55. Do I ever want to have another child? No, maybe not. I'm done. <laughs> I'm always willing. I'm always see. willing to try. I just don't want to have. Yeah, yeah. P production is always nice, right? Like for, for yeah. production process. Well. So, uh, Tom, thanks for your time. Thanks for all of this. Thank you. Thanks for putting out the new record, and uh, have a good evening, my friend. You too. Take thanks care. Thanks a lot. Yep. You too.